Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Health Media Now with award-winning author and host Denise Messenger for a lifetime of health empowerment. Live by being in the pink, meaning P stands for being persistent, I stands for using your intuition, N stands for networking, and K stands for obtaining knowledge. Preserve and protect your health by listening live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Our guests entertain and share cutting-edge information. They share with you what may have taken years to achieve through experience in their field. Become inspired and motivated. Reach your full potential with fascinating tips and products. Receive a lifetime of benefits from authors, doctors, practitioners, healthcare providers, and learn about exciting new products. You asked for it, and we deliver. Now, here's your host, Denise Messenger. Hello, listeners. I'm so glad that you're with us today. This is May 21st, 2014. Our very special guest today is Dr. Kita. He's a, he's, um, a chiropractor, and he knows a variety of techniques, as well as he uses his own intuition. He's also the author of the book called Healing's Journeys, Stories of Mind, Body, and Spirit. I'd like to now bring Dr. Kita onto our show. Hello there. Hello, Denise. Uh, thanks for having me tonight. Uh, real Thank pleasure you. to be on our show. Thank you so much for taking time out of your very busy day. I'd like to start my show off asking my guests, how did they get on the path that they're on today? Um, how did I get on the path I'm on today? Oh, my gosh. That, that's a real good question. Actually, <laughs> I, I became a chiropractor literally by accident, uh, number one. I've been a chiropractor for the past 16 years, uh, and a lot of people that come in my office think that I've been a chiropractor for probably 30-some years. But prior to becoming a chiropractor, I actually used to work in a lot of restaurants and actually used to cook and cook in uh, different restaurants. Um, but I used to work for a major hotel chain. And uh, what happened was when I was leaving work one day, I, I got in a bad car accident. Uh, the car was totaled after the accident, but I was totally fine. I walked out and... I felt totally fine, but then mm. about a month later, yeah, but then about a month later, Denise, uh, I started feeling a lot of pain. I had a splitting headache and uh, shoulder, neck and shoulder pain, and uh, I actually had to leave work uh, early one day because I was in so much pain, and I'm not a wimp. I, I used to play a lot of uh, sports <laughs> in my past, mm-hmm. so I knew how to go through pain, but this pain was so unbearable, and it was a Saturday, and I didn't even sleep that whole day, that whole Saturday, and I, and my wife uh, at the time took me to, uh, well, she thought I had some sort of stroke or heart condition, and Sunday morning, she drove me to the uh, emergency doctor, medical doctor checks me out, goes through this whole examination for about 45 minutes, you know, looking in my eyes, checking my reflexes, you know, asking me all these questions, but, you know, all the normal things. And afterwards, I said, uh, I asked the doctor, you know, what's wrong with me? And he goes, uh, I can't find anything wrong with you. And I go, what? I'm in extreme pain. I couldn't even drive there. I had to recline my seat back. And uh, so anyway, he gave me some pain pills, and I go, I can't take these pain pills because mm-hmm. I, was, I was at the hotel. I was in charge of 50 people, and, you know, you just can't be out of it oh. and trying to organize things. So as time went by, uh, my wife said, well, 
I was suggested to go to a chiropractor, and I'm like thinking to myself, why, why in the world would I ever go to a chiropractor for? <laughs> oh my God, <laughs> you know, aren't you know, aren't they going to hurt me? You know, <laughs> it's you know, they don't know what they're doing. They're not even real doctors. You know, it's things like that. You know, they're you know, they're mm-hmm. quacks or whatever. But I was in so much pain, Denise, that I go, okay, let me just go, and I'll get that out of the way. So, long story short, went a uh, person by the name Arno Bernier, pretty well-known chiropractor around the world, hmm. uh, and he actually just lived uh, a couple miles from my house. I mean, his office was just a couple miles from my house, so he adjusted oh me. My gosh. And the pain went away, and I'm like, going, "Oh my God, thank God!" Oh, <laughs> you know, I, yes. and I walked yes. to the chiropractor's office. So, as time went by, I was just unhappy with my job. The, this was during um, the recession, and they just started cutting all the jobs, like all the people, mm-hmm. all the managers that were underneath me. And I said, "I can't run this place like this. It's just too much stress." Mm-hmm. And uh, Arno had suggested that maybe I become a chiropractor. And, and it was interesting because I knew nothing about chiropractic school or how, what it takes to become a chiropractor. And probably for most of your listeners, they don't even know what it takes to become a chiropractor. It's That's true. Three and a, yeah, it's, you have to take two years of prerequisites, and then it's three and a half years three and a half years of schooling after that. So it can take like, it can take upwards of five and a half to six years of, of straight school. And when he, had no suggest- yeah, when he had suggested to me, I thought, oh, there's just like a weekend course or maybe a month course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I was in for a rude awakening. So I, you know, I left my job and uh, went to school and haven't really looked back and became a chiropractor. Mm. And uh, oh. that that was my path to becoming a chiropractor, but then there's so many other things that have happened, I'd say, within the past eight years or so, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. writing my book. I want to take you to write your book. Listeners, he's the author of, of the book Healing Journeys, Stories of Mind, Body, and Spirit. And we're talking with Dr. Kevin Kita. Uh, it, it took me uh, eight months to write Healing Journeys, but it took me uh, probably five years to actually sit down and write it. You know, you, you've written a book, so you kind of understand what I'm saying. I mean, a lot of people yeah. think about writing a book, but to sit down and write, and to begin to write a book, there's usually you know, years before that, before you actually sit down. Um, but, it, but once I started writing, it really didn't take that long. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about your book? Uh, well, my book, Healing Journey, Stories of Mind, Body, and Spirit, um, it came about because there's just so many... Well, what happened was patients would come in my office and I would tell them about these different stories that have happened in the office and they really encouraged me to write a book and then that's how Healing Journeys came about. Um, but Healing Journeys really is about how, pe- how people come in my office. There's a lot of people that suffer from health problems that are caused by past emotional traumas or past thinking patterns, um, but they really have no understanding that these emotional traumas in the past can really affect their health in the future, in, you know, in the present time. So the book is based on the six major emotions that I see uh, consistently, consistently in my office, and those six emotions are Anger, fear, criticism, resentment, self-esteem, and forgiveness. So each chapter is based on a real story uh, about one of those emotions. 
Now, are these emotions that you recognized in your patients, but you didn't actually have conversations with them about it? Uh, when somebody comes to my office, I don't know anything about their, you know, emotional, any past emotional history. Um, it's just through my intuition that I'll pick up there's something. And uh, let me see, let me give you an example. Well, Have you had this intuition I mean, I had, since you were young? No, a lot of people ask me that. It, it really just kind of opened up about now it's like eight years ago and something just kind of happened. I just became a lot more intuitive. Uh, things just opened up where either words would come into my head or, I, you know, like a patient comes in mm-hmm. and I can... And I can pick out what's what's kind of like underneath, what's going on, what's causing, uh, say, like a neck pain. And mm-hmm. for instance, they, you know, I have a lot of patients that come in my office, and they've seen so many doctors, and I'm kind of like the last resort. And mm. and and they get a lot of the, I would say, 99% of people that come in my office are all referred. And mm-hmm. a lot of them come from uh, long distance. I mean, I've had people come from other countries actually to come see me. And uh, well, that's impressive, um, Dr. Kevin Keita is who we're talking with, and um, he has a chiropractic practice in Mooresville, Pennsylvania. Yeah, so back to yeah, so your intuition. You know, everybody has intuition. Mm-hmm. And, and interesting listening to the introduction of your program, that's one of the words that you use is intuition. Yes. And mm-hmm. intuition, intuition everybody has. You know, people ask me, you know, Dr. Keita, how do, I, how do I become intuitive like you or how do I become more intuitive? And, and I tell everybody pretty much the same, you know, I tell them the same thing. You know, intuition... <laughs> Intuition is just like a muscle. You need to practice, and as soon as you start practicing your intuition and trusting your intuition, it just becomes stronger and stronger to the point where, you know, the accuracy is just dead on. Uh, And for me, you know, I use it every day. I mean, I use it like eight hours a day. So that's a lot of exercising that intuition muscle. Yeah, that can be exhausting. Uh, well, it's funny you say that because actually when I first started becoming uh, intuitive, it did it did uh, uh, become exhausting because I didn't know how to uh, turn it off. You know, because people go, oh, you know, you can pick out, you know, if you went into a restaurant, you could like look over, you know, you could tell what's going on with every person in the restaurant. And I go, yeah, but you kind of have to turn that off. The other thing is you don't, you don't want to know uh, anybody's business unless it's going to really help them out. You know, it's, it's just not the right thing to do. And the other thing, yeah, that would the be other a thing, tough part. yeah, yeah, that'd be kind of rude. The other thing is, you know, once you know something about some somebody, you know it. And you can't, like, all of a sudden put it back in and say, oh, you know, I don't want to know that. So it's better <laughs> that, so you know, <clears throat> you know, it's better that, like, when somebody comes to my office, I use my intuition to to really help the person out. And, and that's really what the bottom line is. Yeah. Let's talk about um, the chapter in your book on forgiveness. And why don't you tell us a little bit about that, the story that's in there on that. Mary Munders. Uh, Yeah, the chapter on, well, back to the six major emotions, the two major ones that will cause the bigger health problems are Mm -hmm. uh, forgiveness and self-esteem. Now with forgiveness, it's it's just something that everybody has to do, even on a daily basis. 
uh, it's not it's not something that just you know goes away. Um, but with the story in the book about uh, forgiveness, uh, this person uh, had cancer, and I didn't really know this person at all, and past emotional trauma was with her uh, father that he had left uh, their family and this is when they're uh, little little kids and uh, this person just can't, couldn't get over it uh, and I said you really needed to forgive them but the problem was that uh, he was already, he already passed away, and he goes, you know, I really can't, I really can't, for, yeah, I really can't forgive my father because you know he's passed away. And I said, I said you can still forgive him, you know. Where is he? Is he buried around? You know where he live? And he, um, he said yes. So. This person went to the grave and forgave uh, the father over abandoning them, and then over a period of time, you know, this this is the other thing too. It's not like you forgive somebody or you, or you know some of these emotions. They, you know, you can get over them like within days. But the thing is, the illness it takes a while for that to clear out. So after a while, then the cancer that this person had, it did go away. Oh, that's amazing. Um, and, and and I see things, well, and the other part of that is in the book, 100% of the time that I see anybody that comes in my office with cancer has somebody to forgive, whether it's themselves or some other person. Uh, actually, forgiving ourselves is actually even harder because most, peop- most peop- people by nature are much harder on themselves than others. So that can actually even be harder. But anyway, the reason why I think that 100% of the people that have uh, cancer, there's a forgiveness issue is because there's a separation. You know, you have good, you have healthy cells, and then you have cancerous cells in your body. And then outside your body, you have a healthy relationship and a broken relationship. So you have to heal that relationship so then your body can actually heal itself inside. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's pretty interesting how that works. Uh, and, and the other thing about the chapter is, you know, when people come in my office, uh, you know, I tell them myself what I do. And what I do every day is I, I always go through uh, a forgiveness uh, exercise every night. And what I say to myself is, I forgive anybody that has hurt me with any thought, deed, or action. And I forgive myself for any thought, deed, or action that I might have hurt somebody else. And I do that every night so that any forgiveness issue that might come in my life, it, it's, it's dissipated like within that day. Uh, oh, that's, that's good. Um, good to know. You know, so it doesn't... You know, because I tell people, tell some of the patients I come in my office, it, you know, some of the forgiveness issues are, for instance, like a snowball. If you, if I did, say, for instance, I had a problem with my father, whatever, 20 years ago, and I don't forgive him, that little snowball becomes this huge boulder by the time, 20 years later. Now, it's much harder to break that big boulder than it is to break a little snowball. So that's, that's kind of, and that's the reason why 
every night I, I do that exercise so that mm. any forgiveness issue that comes up, it's going to be not even a snowball. It's going to be a snowflake. It's going to be like nothing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and the other part of that uh, exercise, when I say I forgive myself for any thoughts, deeds, or actions that might have hurt somebody, a lot of times in our life, Denise, we, don't, we just don't realize we might have said something that might have hurt somebody. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I release that every night. Um, so it's really good exercise to do, and it's helped me out That's a lot. Great. So, listeners, we're, we're talking today with Dr. Kevin Keita. He's the author of the book, Healing Journeys, Stories of Mind, Body, and Spirit. He's a chiropractor who practices in Mooresville, Pennsylvania. I invite our listeners to call in if they would like to ask Dr. Keita a question. Our call-in number is area code 347-324-5328. So in, in reading your book, um, you know, it, it brought a lot of things to light for me. Um, obviously, anybody that has had any kind of serious illness always questions, you know, why me? And your your book brings a lot of depth to those questions that people might have. I truly do believe that it, um, it illness does fall within those six classifications of anger, fear, criticism, resentment, forgiveness, self-esteem. We're such complex human beings that... Sometimes it can become so overwhelming for people. What do you recommend that they, they do if they have a serious illness that they're battling? Um, well, they can look at their present life, what happened recently or what's happened in the past, and kind of take an emotional inventory and see if there is somebody that they need to forgive or do they need to forgive themselves over, uh, like I said, you know, forgiving yourself for a lot of people is very difficult because we make decisions every day. And sometimes we Mm -hmm. feel like in the past, we feel like we made a bad decision and we just harbor that, that feeling. Mm -hmm. But what I tell, but what, yeah, but what I tell people is, at that moment, when you made that decision, that was the perfect thing you could do. You can't mm-hmm. go back. To that. You can't go back to that decision and say, "Okay, I want to redo it." You, that was the perfect decision that you made at that time, and then you need to forgive yourself and let it go. Um, the other one's anger. If you're angry at somebody. Uh, one of the exercises in the book that has helped out a lot of people is say, for instance, you're angry at your boss over something. And I, I said, I tell him, you know, you need to look at your boss differently. You have to look at the positive aspects of your boss. And a lot of times, of course, they say, I can't do that because there's nothing nice about the person. But uh, what I try and tell them is just just try and pick out three things you like mm-hmm. about that person. And they don't have to be major mm-hmm. things. It can be little things like, you know, I like the way he ties his shoelaces or I like the way his <laughs> hair is, you know, or, you know, real little things. You know, like, yeah, like the way they tie their shoelaces. I like... Uh, their hair or something, or I like their pen. Mm -hmm. But what that does, yeah, but what that does is that focuses, instead of focusing on the anger and the the negativity of the person, it focuses on the positive aspects of the person, even though they're small. Mm -hmm. Start focusing on the small positive aspects of the other person. All of a sudden, the whole anger issue, like, disappears and the whole energy of that relationship changes and believe it or not, 
the person that they're angry with uh, isn't so bad after all. Um, yeah. You know, it's that's one of the things. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's the total shift from the negative to the positive. And mm-hmm. like I said, it could be very simple little things that you say that you like about the other person. Uh, the other, per- the other and thing I, about... And I- and I assume that you picked three things because for every one negative, it takes three positives. Oh, I didn't two, even know two, that. That's nice. Two, uh-huh. I'll have to put that in, two, I'll have yes, to put that yes, in the next edition. <laughs> 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 That's good to know. Uh, <laughs> you know, and then, and then the other emotion criticism. If somebody criticizes you, uh, and ex- and especially if you don't deserve the criticism, you know, most of the time the person criticizing you, there's something causing them to criticize you. So mm-hmm. you, you should feel sorry for that. Believe it or not, you should kind of feel sorry for them because most people, I'm sure you know this, Denise, in your life, or you've observed this, that people that are constantly criticizing, there's something that's going on within their life that's causing them to be that way. So, Correct. So you really, you know, if somebody's criticized, giving you undue criticism, uh, you really shouldn't take those things personal, and you should really just, you know, know that the other person that's giving the criticism, there's something going on in their life that they have to be so hyper hypercritical about mm-hmm. you and other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so you have to realize it's not a mirror of you. Right. Uh, oh, and then self-esteem. Self-esteem is a big one. I mean, I've, I've, I've given so many talks and on, uh, you know, on my book. And I always tell people self-esteem is a major issue because everybody has it. And the way I can prove it is because... What's the number one fear that everybody has? And the number one fear that everybody has is speaking in public. And mm-hmm. why, yeah, why would that be a fear? The reason why people fear that is because of their self-esteem. They feel like they're going to make a fool out of themselves. So if their, mm. self-esteem, if their self-esteem was so high, they really wouldn't care, you know, about speaking in public and what people thought about, you know, whatever they're talking about. Uh, mm-hmm. So self-esteem, yeah, self-esteem can be really devastating, especially uh, especially nowadays because people are getting, you know, laid off and people don't have jobs and a lot of people attach their uh, self-esteem with, you know, working. So if you're not working, mm-hmm. a lot of people think they're less than when actually it's the same person. It's just somebody that just doesn't have a job. I read today, I don't know how accurate the the figure that was given is, but it said that 47% of the unemployed have have completely given up on finding a job. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I... I believe that, and I have a lot of people that come in my office, and they're totally devastated when they lose their job. Mm-hmm. Um, which actually it becomes so much you know, a part that, of people, right? Which actually brings up another one of the emotions in the book, which is fear. Uh, you know, when somebody loses their job, they're also in a state of panic. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and what I tell the people that. Uh, about, you know, when they're talking to me and they're in this state of panic over losing their job, I always tell them, you know what, if you're in a state of panic or in a state of fear, you will never attract another job because you're you're just putting that out as fear and panic. Mm-hmm. So whenever, mm-hmm. whatever job you apply for or whenever you get an interview, the other person across the desk is going to really kind of... Uh, just know innately that you're in a panic and you desperately need this job. Whereas if, uh, I'm sure you've been on some job interviews and you feel real confident 
um, you'll get the job, you know, by some unknown reason, a lot of times you will get that job. But if you feel fear or panic or less than, mm-hmm. it's just not going to happen. You're going to mm-hmm. block that from happening. Yeah, so, you know, it's, it's, so it's the same as if an employer is considering hiring you and then they see that you have a very bad credit rating or mm-hmm. you have some financial issues, they won't hire you. And that's when you need the job the most. Right. Um, yeah, because I've, I have, uh, you know, it's not, this is, you know, not just about jobs either. This is about, uh, I have artists and a lot of really good musicians, great musicians that come to my office and they're always in this fear about what, uh, you know, what people are going to perceive about their work, whether it's their artwork or their music that they're putting out. And, you know, the other part of fear is you really can't write great music, or or I don't think, I'm not an artist, but I don't really think you can paint something, you know, really beautiful that's going to resonate with a lot of people if you're coming from a state of fear. You know, everything needs to come from your heart. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure when you wrote your book, uh, you're writing it from your heart and you're not writing it from the fear or the ego. Because that's, that's the other part of the fear. That's the other part of fear. fear. Fear is what your ego creates. So if you're, you know, if you're ever in a state of fear, it's your ego putting you there. Rather mm-hmm. than your, mm-hmm. rather than your spirit. Uh, I think a lot of um, a lot of authors of nonfiction write their books to educate and and to change people's lives. Yeah, I yeah, I totally agree with you there. I mean, when I wrote Healing Journeys, that's that's really why I wrote it because. Uh, the patient said, you know, you have great stories, but not only do you have great stories, these stories can help out a lot of people that mm-hmm. just don't have the that just don't have the means or they just can't make it to your office. Um, I mean, I, mm-hmm. I mean, this this book, I'm sure you went through the whole the same situation. You write a book and you're wondering, you know, is this really worth writing? You know, is anybody going to read it other than, you know, your family members? You know, you might sell a few books, <laughs> you know. So, <laughs> you might sell a few yeah. books and that's it. Mm-hmm. But this book, yeah, this book uh, is kind of taking a life of its own. Um, believe it or not, my book is sold in Israel, of all places, because one of my patients took it to Israel and the books, one of the bookstores there picked it up. So oh, that's wonderful. You know, and it's it's been sold in a lot of other bookstores around my area. You know, and of course, of course, it's uh, you know in Amazon, uh, on Amazon and uh, you know Barnes and Noble. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that's you know, and I know it's helped out a lot of people because I've had people uh, email me and just tell me how much uh, the books affected their life and really help them out through some tough times. Well, I, I think what sets you apart from other chiropractors is the fact that you're treating the physicalities of people, but you've also integrated the, um, the psychological issues. Um, I've been in certain chiropractic offices where they would treat the physical aspects and then offer you supplements uh-huh. and and that was that right you're uh-huh. you're getting to you're you're encouraging your patients to get to the root of their of their problems, not just strictly uh treat symptoms right um uh, that's that's exactly right um Really, what chiropractors are trained for are, well, 
analyzing, correcting uh, subluxations. Uh, a lot of people, a lot of people in your audience, and maybe yourself, don't know what a subluxation is. But a subluxation is where a bone moves out of place. You know, one or two bones move out of place and causes nerve interference on one of the nerves. And why is that important? Because our nervous system controls all the cells, tissues, and organs in the body. Mm. So, what a so what a chiropractor is trained to do is find these subluxations or misalignments and putting the bone back into place so then the nervous system can communicate well, the brain and the central nervous system then can com communicate with the rest of the body and let your body function at 100%. Mm -hmm. But one of the, yeah, but one of the problems, you know, what the three main causes of a subluxation are physical, which, you know, car accident or slip, fall, mm -hmm. and that's what, mm -hmm. and that's what most chiropractors will address. The second one is chemical. And that's also a, uh, a thing, one of the factors that a lot of chiropractors address, which is what you're saying, supplements. So if it's a chemical issue, meaning a nutritional deficiency or even too much of a certain mineral or uh, vitamin, they, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of chiropractors can help you out with that. But then the third cause of subluxation is emotional. And most chiropractors cannot detect that, and that's and that's what I that's what I do is find mm -hmm. the emotional cause that's causing the the bone to misalign or subluxate, and then interfering with the nervous system. Yeah. Uh, and the important thing about that is, no matter how many adjustments. A person, uh, you go to the chiropractor, no matter how many times they adjust a certain bone back into place, it's going to be pulled right out because of the emotional stress. Because the emotional stress is way more powerful than just putting the bone back into place. Mm, and, that's a great point. And then the other thing is, I, you know, you were talking about nutritional supplements. Uh, I don't care, you know, whatever the nutritional supplement is, if you're under emotional stress, your body is just not going to be able to absorb that uh, supplement and synthesize what needs to be synthesized. It's going to be blocked because your body is in, in, a, in, in an, uh, an emotional stress environment. Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. I've had people come in my office uh, from other people, other healthcare practitioners, and they literally bring in a shopping bag full of supplements. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then when I adjust them, I tell them what the cause is. I said, you, know, you really didn't need all these supplements. I hate to tell you, that's like, <laughs> that's like $300, $400 down the drain. You also have to take into consideration that um, you know, the placebo effect. Um, right. Our, our minds can, it, they're so powerful that taking certain pills can convince us that we're feeling better. Right. But even, you know, if you have the emotional stress, it's just not, I mean, that does work. The placebo effect does work to a certain extent. But if there is the emotional stress underneath it, it's, that's not even going to work. Um, yeah, well, I mean, there's no doubt that the medical community is in agreement, you know, right. that, that stress stress is one of the most destructive uh, things to the human body and spirit around. Right. Um, yeah, because I've had people come in my office, Denise, that, I mean, they literally have the best diet, the best diet you could ever have. I mean, mm -hmm. people watch their diet, everything that goes in their mouth. They exercise every day. Uh, and they're just, when I look at them, I'm going, oh, my gosh, you're in such great shape. But how come you're having such a, you know, such a health issue? 
and it's because there's some emotional stress in their life. Mm-hmm. You know, when they go mm-hmm. when they go see their medical doctor, medical doctor is totally perplexed on, oh my gosh, you know your diet is like just perfect, you know you you know you're sleeping right, you're exercising, yet you have this chronic illness, and it's because there's mm. an emotional stressor underneath it. And I I try and tell people I don't care what you take, what you you know the exercise if you don't if you really don't take a look at it, your emotional traumas or the emotional stressors you have in your life it doesn't matter it, mm-hmm. you're just not your body is just not going to function at its optimum. Let's go go back a little bit to forgiveness mm-hmm. because it's something that can be difficult to achieve depending upon what a person has experienced. Are words really successful in letting yourself forgive somebody else for possibly something they've done that was just, you know, unconscionable? Or or is it does it take more than that than just words? Outside of forgiving yourself and and forgiving that person for hurting you. Well, uh, one of my mentors, uh, that's the other thing about my book. Most of the things in the book are things that I've learned from other people uh, that are older than me and that have learned so many things from different people. And I've just been blessed enough to run run into these people. And one of the things that my friend Mary had said, well, she asked me a question, and she goes, Dr. Keto, what's the most powerful thing in the world? And I go, what? And she goes, words. And And I go, you know, why words? And she goes, well, let there be light. And there was light. So words, words are probably the most powerful thing. Hmm. You know, back back to forgiveness. You know, you're not forgiveness is not for the other person; it's for yourself. Good point. Like, you know, a lot of people will say, say, well, well, Dr. Keita, I can't forget what this person did to me because it was horrific. You know, and I'm listen to their story and I go, yeah, it's totally horrific what this person did to you. I mean, it's just like you said, it's, I mean, you know, a lot of times mm-hmm. it's an unconscionable act. I mean, people will do some just terrible things to other people. And I won't say, I didn't say forget. I said forgive. For, <laughs> yeah. That's what I was know, looking for. <laughs> right. Forgetting. You know, it's like if I said to you, Denise, Denise, uh, can I borrow $10,000 from you? And I'll pay it back to you in six months. Well, Mm -hmm. you know, you know I'm a nice guy, so you give me the $10,000, no questions asked. So then six months later, you're waiting for, you know, Dr. Keita to pay you back the $10,000. Well, (laughs) six months comes by, and, well, I come back to you and I go, Denise, you know what? I need $10,000 more. Will you loan me that money? And you're going, hmm, okay. <laughs> I'm not I'm not going to forget the $10,000 he already owes me, so I don't think I'm going to give him this next 10000 So <laughs> that's what I mean about it's not about forgetting. You know, you, mm-hmm. you, should remember, mm-hmm. you should remember these things just so they don't happen again to you. I mean, a lot of people get taken advantage of, right? A lot Uh lot of people Mm -hmm. get taken advantage of, but they still have to forgive the other person. Mm -hmm. You're forgiving it, and it's it's about yourself. It's not about the other person. Mm -hmm. You can make the the choice. You either choose to to not be around that person any longer, Uh but you still can... Forgive them, forgive them for what had happened. Right. You know, and, and forgiveness, it's a difficult thing. It's not an easy thing. That's why Mm-mm. a lot of people, 
a lot of people hold on to things. But the only thing is they're holding on to the other person's garbage or trash. I try and mm-hmm. explain that. You know, if you keep on, you know, you keep on holding on to this thing, thinking you're going to hurt the other person, but you're only hurting yourself. And our lives are so short that you're, you're just not. I don't think you know if you're in an unforgiving mode, you're not going to uh, reach your full potential in your life that you're really you know born to do. Mm-hmm. If you hold, on, mm-hmm. yeah, if you hold on to somebody else's trash. Yeah. Yeah, you, you talked earlier about how you've received um, feedback on on your book. Um, can you give us a kind of a little glimpse into what people have been saying about your book, Healing Journeys: Stories of Mind, Body, and Spirit? Has it literally transformed someone's life, or um, how has it made their life better? Well, I've had, you know, a lot of people come back to me and tell me about the book. And it's real interesting because the viewers really can't see, I mean, the uh, listeners can't see the book, but it's a very short book. And it doesn't look like there's much in it. So you can read the book very quickly. You can literally read it within a few hours. So when I had my... Uh, book launch party and there's gosh there's hundreds of people that showed up it was like really great event and uh, anyway people would come in my office the next week and they go oh my gosh (laughs) well actually they were talking about the book but before they were talking about the book I had literally that week I had three people come in my office and they were crying and at first I thought, oh, my gosh, the book. <laughs> at first I thought, oh, my God, is the book that bad? <laughs> and they go, no. <laughs> you know, I thought they wanted their money back or something. And they go, no. <laughs> they, go, they go, no, Dr. Keith, this book is has totally made me look at myself and what I need to work on. It's, you know, just thanks for writing this book. You know, it's mm. really changed my perspective on a lot of things. Oh, um, that's great. I mean, I had one person, this this big man, he must be like 6'2", six, 6'3", six, mm-hmm. and he was a Vietnam vet, and he had some anger issues, and mm. he he read the book, Healing Journeys, and then the next time he came back, he said, this book really helped me out by releasing the anger that I held for so long because he was a Vietnam vet. And he goes, I didn't really tell you this, Dr. Keita, but when I came back from Vietnam, you know, we're, we're in our uniforms and we're going through the airport in Texas and people were throwing uh, bags of urine and bags of feces at us. And oh. here we are. Here we are, you know, fighting for the Gone U.S. Hell over there, mm-hmm. right? And you're coming back, and you're being tossed all this stuff at, you know. And he said, "I held this anger so long; mm-hmm. it's taken me for, you know, forever to let it go." He said, mm-hmm. "But with your book, now it really helped me let go of that that issue that I had in the past." And here's this big person coming to my office, and he's in tears because I know that. Mm. The book really resonated with him and let him release this past emotional trauma. Um, mm, that's a great that's a great story. Well, we're running out of time. You have given us some incredible information and the opportunity to talk with you today. I wanted to just personally thank you so much for that. Listeners, we have been talking with Dr. Kevin Keita. He's a chiropractor, and he's also the author of the book, Healing's Journeys. He practices out of Mooresville, Pennsylvania. Doctor, is there anything else in in your parting words that you'd like to entrust to our listeners? Um, Just thanks for having me, Denise. It's 
great talking to you. Great interview. And uh, hopefully, Absolutely. hopefully, some of the listeners, you know, will go out and pick up a copy of Healing Journeys: Stories of Mind, Body, and Spirit. Uh, I'm sure they will, and they can they can purchase that from Amazon or Barnes and Noble. Do you have a website for the book as well? Uh, they can go to my website, uh, www.drkevinkeita.com, and there's more information about myself and also uh, my blog because I have a lot of uh, articles on health-related issues. Wonderful. And he spells his last name K-I-T as in Tom A, Kevin Kita. Thank you so much. Okay, thanks a lot. Have a good night. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, listeners, please join us again next Wednesday. We're going to have a great show for you. And I wish you all a wonderful day or evening, whichever one you're listening to us now. Bye-bye. We celebrate our listeners worldwide and invite you to contact Denise at www.healthmedianow.com with any questions you may have and follow her on Twitter at Health Media Now and Facebook at Health Media Now. For those interested in an advertising campaign on her show, contact Lisa at knowledgeworkspub.com. Be sure to visit Got Cancer? Now What? for information on Denise Messenger's award-winning book, Got Cancer? Now What? Hello, listeners. We just wanted to remind you that the entire contents of this radio show is based upon the opinions of Denise and her guest. It's not intended to replace a one-on-one relationship with a qualified healthcare professional of your choice, and it's not intended as medical advice. It is a sharing of info, and we encourage you to make your own healthcare decisions based upon your research and in partnership with your qualified healthcare professional. These statements have been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Thank you. Bye bye.